The Background by Saki This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lechnarf The Background by Saki That woman's art jargon tires me, said Clovis to his journalist friend. She's so fond of talking of certain pictures as growing on one, as though they were a sort of fungus. That reminds me, said the journalist, of the story of Henri de Plis. Have I ever told it to you? Clovis shook his head. Henri de Plis was by birth a native of the Grand Duchy of Luxembourg. On maturer reflection, he became a commercial traveler. His business activities frequently took him beyond the limits of the Grand Duchy, and he was stopping in a small town of northern Italy when news reached him from home that a legacy from a distant and deceased relative had fallen to his share. It was not a large legacy, even by the modest standpoint of Henri de Plis, but it impelled him toward some seemingly harmless extravagances. In particular, it led him to patronize local art as represented by the tattoo needles of Signor Andreas Pincini. Signor Pincini was, perhaps, the most brilliant master of tattoo craft that Italy had ever known. But his circumstances were decidedly impoverished, and for the sum of six hundred francs he gladly undertook to cover his client's back, from the collarbone down to the waistline, with a glowing representation of the fall of Icarus. The design, when fully developed, was a slight disappointment to Monsieur de Plis, who had suspected Icarus of being a fortress taken by Wallenstein in the Thirty Years' War, but he was more than satisfied with the execution of the work, which was acclaimed by all who had the privilege of seeing it as Pincini's masterpiece. It was his greatest effort, and his last. Without even waiting to be paid, the illustrious craftsman departed this life and was buried under an ornate tombstone whose winged cherubs would have afforded singularly little scope for the exercise of his favorite art. There remained, however, the widow Pincini, to whom the six hundred francs were due, and thereupon arose the great crisis in the life of Henri de Plis, traveler of commerce. The legacy under the stress of numerous little calls on its substance, had dwindled to very insignificant proportions. And when a pressing wine bill and sundry other current accounts had been paid, there remained little more than 430 francs to offer to the widow. The lady was properly indignant, not wholly, as she volubly explained, on account of the suggested writing off of 170 francs, but also at the attempt to depreciate the value of her late husband's acknowledged masterpiece. In a week's time, de Plis was obliged to reduce his offer to 405 francs, which circumstance fanned the widow's indignation into a fury. She cancelled the sale of the work of art, and a few days later, de Plis learned with a sense of consternation that she had presented it to the municipality of Bergamo, which had gratefully accepted it. He left the neighborhood as unobtrusively as possible, and was genuinely relieved when his business commands took him to Rome, where he hoped his identity, and that of the famous picture, might be lost sight of. But he bore on his back the burden of the dead man's genius. On presenting himself one day in the steaming corridor of a vapor bath, he was at once hustled back into his clothes by the proprietor, 
who was a North Italian, and who emphatically refused to allow the celebrated fall of Icarus to be publicly on view without the permission of the municipality of Bergamo. Public interest and official vigilance increased as the matter became more widely known, and Dupli was unable to take a simple dip in the sea or river on the hottest afternoon unless clothed up to the collarbone in a substantial bathing garment. Later on, the authorities of Bergamo conceived the idea that salt water might be injurious to the masterpiece, and a perpetual injunction was obtained which debarred the muchly harassed commercial traveler from sea-bathing under any circumstances. Altogether, he was fervently thankful when his firm of employers found him a new range of activities in the neighborhood of Bordeaux. His thankfulness, however, ceased abruptly at the Franco-Italian frontier. An imposing array of official force barred his departure, and he was sternly reminded of the stringent law which forbids the exportation of Italian works of art. A diplomatic parley ensued between the Luxembourgian and Italian governments, and at one time the European situation became overcast with the possibilities of trouble. But the Italian government stood firm. It declined to concern itself in the least with the fortunes or even the existence of Henri de Plis, commercial traveler, but was immovable in its decision that the fall of Icarus by the late Pincini, Andreas, at present the property of the municipality of Bergamo, should not leave the country. The excitement died down in time, but the unfortunate de Plis, who was of a constitutionally retiring disposition, found himself a few months later once more the storm center of a furious controversy. A certain German art expert, who had obtained from the municipality of Bergamo permission to inspect the famous masterpiece, declared it to be a spurious Pincini, probably the work of some pupil whom he had employed in his declining years. The evidence of de Plis on the subject was obviously worthless, as he had been under the influence of the customary narcotics during the long process of pricking in the design. The editor of an Italian art journal refuted the contentions of the German expert and undertook to prove that his private life did not conform to any modern standard of decency. The whole of Italy and Germany were drawn into the dispute and the rest of Europe was soon involved in the quarrel. There were stormy scenes in the Spanish Parliament, and the University of Copenhagen bestowed a gold medal on the German expert, afterwards sending a commission to examine his proofs on the spot, while two Polish schoolboys in Paris committed suicide to show what they thought of the matter. Meanwhile, the unhappy human background fared no better than before and it was not surprising that he drifted into the ranks of Italian anarchists. Four times at least he was escorted to the frontier as a dangerous and undesirable foreigner, but he was always brought back as the fall of Icarus, attributed to Pincini, Andreas, early 20th century. And then one day, at an anarchist congress at Genoa, a fellow worker in the heat of debate broke a phial of corrosive liquid over his back, the red shirt that he was wearing mitigated the effects, but the Icarus was ruined beyond recognition. His assailant was severely reprimanded for assaulting a fellow anarchist and received seven years' imprisonment for defacing a national art treasure. 
As soon as he was able to leave the hospital, Henri Deplis was put across the frontier as an undesirable alien. In the quieter streets of Paris, especially in the neighborhood of the Ministry of Fine Arts, you may sometimes meet a depressed, anxious-looking man who, if you pass him the time of day, will answer you with a slight Luxembourgian accent. He nurses the illusion that he is one of the lost arms of the Venus de Milo, and hopes that the French government may be persuaded to buy him. On all other subjects, I believe he is tolerably sane. End of The Background Recording by Lechnarf